to episode 19 of Super States, Practices of Transformation with me, your host, Joshua Peters. Super States explores the crossroads of trance states in all the many ways you can access it, along with personal or professional growth. In every episode of Super States, we talk to world-class experts, industry leaders, and revolutionary thinkers who share the latest information, tools, and their own personal stories to inspire you on your journey. This week, I talk with Craig Cassie. Craig is a professional pleasure coach, helping clients create relationships and businesses that turn them on and get them off. Tune in and turn on to the power of slowing down with Craig Cassie. Welcome to the show, Craig. I'm I'm delighted to have you on the show today. Happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, Craig, why don't you describe to us uh, what it is that you do, just to kind of get started here, and, and then how that can transform people's lives? Totally. So currently, I work as a professional coach. Uh, specifically, I call it a pleasure coach. So I'm the guy you come to when you want to build a business or create a relationship, maybe transition your current relationship into one that really turns you on spiritually, emotionally, energetically, physically as well, and also gets you off. Because we're not here to create blue balls in your life. We want you to be turned on, to have experience of joy, and then to be able to create what it is through to fruition. So we do somatic work, a lot of uh, mindset shifting, but we work mainly in the body right now, mm -hmm. helping people tap back into what they might have lost during the pandemic. And uh, I know the, the somatic work is one of the things that really interests me uh, about what you do, because that's a whole nother way of really accessing these trance states that can, can make such a difference. Uh, Craig, can you tell me, uh, give us a little bit of your story, like how you got to this point, uh, share, share your own transformation? Yeah, I'll give the abridged version. I never meant to do this work. Coaching, yeah. My sister grew up with terrible anxiety, and I was like her soothsayer as a child. So this felt like a very natural progression for me. But I also grew up in a really puritanical household, which meant, hey, we never talked about sex. Never got the bird and the bee conversation. I had to Google that one. Much less exciting <laughs> than I thought it would be. Uh, and we didn't really have a focus on pleasure. The focus in the family was living a good life in the Lord's name. Uh, struggle was in, you know, to, a way to honor God. Um, we weren't trying to live overly pleasurable lives, at least consciously. Uh, we still had a good life, I would say. But there's a weird ceiling, I find, in a lot of puritanical households. People who grew up waspy or in a conservative church, which is we don't give ourselves permission to actually get curious. But what is it that would make my soul light up? What about my body's desires? You know, today I relate to myself as a spirit in a lovely meat sack, but I'm a spirit here to experience all I can on earth. And that means all the feelings, good and bad, all the desires and wants that come with, you know, being a person. So when I got on the other side of college, it dawned on me that I was mirroring a lot of what I saw growing up. I was working 80 hour weeks, trying to build startups. Uh, some were doing really well, some were not. 
And uh, I was really unfulfilled. I felt like at the end of the day, I had forgotten how to live. And that's really not what I'm committed to. Uh, my relationships were suffering, even though I was more successful than I think a lot of people would you know, compare people at my age to. And uh, my soul was just aching. So ended up doing a few different things, you know, created this coaching business, hopped in some coaching work as a client, especially that made it really clear that there was a huge disconnect between where I was going from my conditioning as a really pious puritanical boy uh, and trying to be successful on those terms versus what I really wanted, which was a much more, uh, I'd say, open, I'm a queer man, so much more queer, much more gay lifestyle that enabled me to really savor all that life has to offer and to no longer pretend like my spirituality and my pleasure had to be separate or like one came at the cost of the other because that's not the truth at least mm -hmm. in my book and and then you uh so some at some point you started working with the with the body and not just coaching uh, how did that occur for you so by accident <laughs> is, the, is the truth. When I first began coaching, I wanted to keep coaching people in startups and corporate. And the way that I actually got into somatic work is I have a background in yoga and mindfulness. And around the three-month work, each one of my corporate clients would start to ask me about their relationships. And was not my focus, was not my training, but, you know, ethically we go there. And time and time again, each one of these people would mention how they were so disconnected from their body when it came to sex and their partnerships, or even when it came to being in relationship with the vision, right? When we envisioned a future, a bold future, that is not just a brainy process. That is an experience of our body, right? And our brain, and I'd say our spirit, all firing on the same cylinders. Yeah. So I recognize these people were deeply cut off, maybe by shame or past pain, and so I started doing some of the breath work that I knew would really help people, A, just create more safety in their body so they would have access to what it is they really wanted. And that is what I think is so powerful about somatic work. Right? Somatic is just, we work with the body, we work with the nervous system to create a sense of safety. So then you have access to whatever it is you want. Right. Sometimes it's you want to be more turned on by your partner of a 15-year relationship, and somatic work can help you get there. Other times it's you need to create some physical safety so you can feel angry or you can feel sad and release the hold those emotions have on your body if you haven't been able to express them before. So because of my client needs, went back, got more training, brought my positive psychology background to my yoga background to a ton, a ton of somatic workshops and sex therapy training school too, to create what I think is a really impactful offering right now for people. So what would you say has fundamentally changed about how you work with people from, you know, when you started until now that you have this new offering? Yeah. Uh, so coaching is a future focused profession. And when I first began, I was really focused on getting people to their future now. <laughs> it was a conversation of speed, agility, and action. And I think in the last five years especially, what I've witnessed is when we slow down, create more safety in the body, and then attune with what we actually want, everything 
comes so much more quickly. It might feel slower in the moment, but we stop doing all the bullshit. That wasn't actually serving us anyway. The stuff that we had to do, that we felt we needed to do, the, the things that we related to as suffering, but kept doing anyway. Um, so my work today actually looks a lot more slow. It looks a lot more still. It's focused both on actions, yes, but it's also grounded in how do we just be with what's present and then witness where we're being led. You know, somatic work, when we are in fight or flight, we don't always have access to our intuition as much as we want. You know, we don't always have access to the pain or the pleasure that's inspiring us to go in a different direction because we're numbing to it. So by slowing down, everything becomes so much clearer and we get to the heart of the matter much more rapidly. So slowing down has made a huge difference. Yeah, I, I resonate with that both in my coaching as well and also in my life, right? When, when I slow down, and it's in all different kinds of situations, but especially in relationship, that's a really important lesson to learn, I think. Yeah, not always the easiest. <laughs> when I'm in a relationship breakdown, the last thing I want to do is sit in it and sit with it. But um, that's where all the gold is. That's where the opportunity to actually heal and create really luscious intimacy. And I think that always shocks people is that when you're in the middle of a shit storm, that's actually an amazing time to open up your heart and to create something really special. Even when your automatic you know, body's response is saying, no, stop, run away, shut them out or judge them, make it their fault. It's like, if you can learn to turn that off, oh, it gets so good. Well, Craig, do you have a uh, technique that someone who might want to learn how to slow it down and, and, and step into those moments uh, could, could benefit from? Oh, totally. Would you actually want to be walked through one right now? I've got oh, a sure. part process. Yeah. It could be fun. So okay. if you're listening, what we're about to do, it is an exercise you can use with your partner at any time, even yourself. It's especially useful when you find that you are triggered and you want to get back to a nervous system state where you actually feel safe. So you can be more open to communication. And this is one of the real keys of the work, right? If we are in fight or flight, if we are triggered or in a win-lose battle up in our heads with our partner, we're not in partnership. We're now trying to either uh, win or not lose. So this is a way to get back on the same page where you have access to being in relationship. So the first is simple. We'll do three rounds of three. We're just going to take a deep breath in through your nose. And then open mouth, exhale. We're just turning the nervous system on and getting some access to it. So another deep inhale in through your nose. Breathing down to your gut if you can. And open mouth, exhale. Final one here. Breathe all the way in as much as you can. Biggest breath of the day. And a slow open mouth, exhale. So one of the ways we begin to work with the nervous system is by creating access to it through the physical responses we can control, right? So through breath work, we can slow down the heart. So that's what we're doing here. Okay. Now, step two, sometimes when we're triggered, our body has a desired response, right? When you're triggered, are you loosey-goosey, Joshua, or are you rigid? No, I'm tight, <laughs> I'm tight, I'm tense, I'm... 
I'm not even really thinking. It's, oh. in, it's all in the back of my, in the amygdala is activated. Oh, yeah. totally. For me, yeah. my white knuckle life, when I'm triggered and my jaws, I'm a jaw person. I will yeah. grab yeah. wet order not to speak. So the second part of this, we actually want to give the body some room to express that tightness, to let some of that emotion from the trigger actually move through our body. So we're going to take a deep inhale, and at the top, you're actually going to squeeze your body as much as you can. So that means your face, your you know fists, your core, and then we'll okay. release and shake it out. So, so it's like a, like a tension everywhere, like tight oh, all totally. the muscles. As much as you can, from your back to your hold, your face, everything counts. So okay. <laughs> we'll take a deep inhale here. And now squeeze, squeeze, squeeze oh, as hard as you can, your face, your back, your toes, your hands. And, and we just shake it out a little bit. Shake your head, shoulders. Do it again. When you're ready, take a deep breath in. And at the top, squeeze again. Harder, harder, harder. And release. <laughs> we shake it out. Just feels good to get some of the tension out. It feels good. It does. Yeah. <laughs> and final one here. Take a deep inhale. And in a different posture, squeeze as tight as you can. Tighter, 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 tighter. And ah. So like right now, only two exercises in. What do you notice, if anything, Joshua? What do you feel? Um, I feel, I feel looser, which is interesting from being in that tension place. My mind is quieter. We love a quiet mind, don't we? <laughs> so definitely people feel more grounded. They release some tension. Their shoulders will relax down their back. And when our bodies are more relaxed and our partner sees this, their body gains permission to do the same. Right? If we walk into a conversation, if we're talking to a manager, we are the manager, or in our relationship, and we look like we're about to be armed, like we're in defensive mode, we are ready to fight, it's actually going to trigger the same physiological nerve system response in the other person. So by doing this, we're actually creating a clearing. We're opening the door. And whether we are saying the words or not, our body is saying, hey, we're safe here. We're calm. We're collected. No matter what topic pops up, we can be with it. Like we've mm -hmm. we've got this. So what a huge gift to give your partner if you know they're you know anxious or triggered, yeah. or a gift to give yourself. Final round. Have you ever done like you wake up in the morning, you take that big morning stretch? Yes. Okay. Love it's that. delicious. And we're gonna recreate that here. I'll tell you why after the fact. So you're going to take a big inhale and at the top, reach your arms up in any way your body wants, really whatever feels good to your body, just twist and try to create a yawn. If you don't get there, it's fine. If you get there, cool. There's no point system. So okay. <laughs> take a deep <laughs> inhale here. And whatever way you want to stretch, <sighs> arms up and over, side to side. Oh, see, Joshua, only one, already there. Got it. <laughs> we'll do that two more times. So take another deep inhale. And whatever new way you want to stretch, I want to bend forward, you can. 
shoulders. Mm. Mm. <sighs> that was contagious. <laughs> yeah. And the final one here. Final inhale, deep to the deck. All right. What are you present to now, Joshua? <laughs> well, that that brought like more energy for sure. Like I could feel that opening, and uh, as I'm stretching and twisting my back, and bones are cracking. It's it just it really it seemed to kind of release uh, an energy for me. Totally. You look bright, eyed, and bushy-tailed right now. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's a mixture of both being more energized while also being grounded. I think yeah. sometimes we experience energy as we're no longer grounded or in action or in movement and we begin to lose a sense of, you know, ourselves. But when it comes to building up intimacy in your sex life, like you want to both be deeply grounded and present in the moment and have this fun energy tied into it so that you can really get the most out of the experience and also give the most, create something that you really want with your partners. Yeah. So this last one, uh, we get this actually from watching animals in the wild. You'll never find an animal who's being chased or who is doing the chasing yawn while they're being hunted or hunting. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when we're actually in that defensive posturing and our body is actually not feeling safe, we don't have access to that yawn in the mouth. Like we will just never. It's a great way to know if you're on the road to burnout is if this is actually one of your first times yawning in a long time. Because mm -hmm. when we look at coaching clients and burnout, their body is actually in such a defensive posturing for weeks and months and years, right? That the only times they do slow down, they typically, you know, find themselves exhausted because they gave themselves the space to relax. And it doesn't always feel great when they're used to, you know, being high performing yeah. every other yeah. day. So what we do here is by generating what it takes to yawn and giving the body more room, we're really grounding in the nervous system this belief that, ah, I have permission. I am safe enough in my body where I can just be, I can relax, and whatever comes will not phase me. Does mean we don't get triggered, we do, but this gives us a much more even uh, playing field to be with it. Yeah, I love it. Awesome, thank you. You're welcome. So that was three steps. Uh, step one was those three deep breaths. Yep. Step two was tension and release, like all the tension, all the release. And step three was a big old stretch and a yawn. <laughs> and, each, <laughs> and each one of those was repeated three times. Yep. So three sets of three. We The way I was taught it, we call it the stoplight exercise. Because A, it really does help you ground, pause, and then get back to where you want to be, more likely. And uh, great to teach kids, too. It can be really fun to use solo. The one asterisk I always put in here is our body learns how to respond to uh, everything, right? So if we're yeah. used to being triggered and responding with anger or aggression or shutting down, then the way we actually gain access to using a tool like this in that moment is to actually do this work when you're feeling good, feeling neutral. Like sure. we want to 
teach the body that, okay, when things are good, I can use this, and what does my body learn? Oh, I feel more relaxed. Oh, I feel more present. Oh, this mm. is advantageous. So we give it the skills and the muscles now so that when we get to those triggered places, our body says, oh, I have another way I can go. You still have to choose it. It might not always be the first automatic. It might be the second or the third, and that's okay. Yeah. But we want to do this work when we're feeling uh, good so that we can use it when we really need it the most. I like that. Good. Uh, Craig, you, you – this is maybe me uh, – putting uh, a little bit of my own uh, knowledge onto you, but you, you seem like a person that likes to continue learning. <laughs> <laughs> Always. That's why I'm here, isn't it? <laughs> so where do you go to educate yourself? Oh, everywhere. So I will say most recently, um, my personal learning, not non-professional, but the personal that impacts that, has, I've been doing a lot more work with plant medicine. Mm -hmm. So I had a lovely ayahuasca journey a year ago. Uh, if you feel called to it, recommend it in whatever safe place makes sense for you. Um, and that really gave me a lot of awareness for just how life could be different. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to where I seek out learning opportunities these days, hey, there's a skill in everything. You know, I'm about to move to Australia so I can go get another grad degree. I'm going to learn a ton about positive psychology, magic mushrooms, you know, psilocybin, and even some more somatic work down there. But I think one of the best places to look is really at, if we take a step back from our current context, like where would the actual education nurture the world that I want to live in? And then how could I learn how I can be the one of the pieces of the puzzle to get us there? So from plant medicine, ayahuasca and mushrooms, beyond that, I right now I'm dipping my toes in even more of the somatic work and a lot of the kink work that can be somatic. You know, part of my business is really around helping people live more passion-filled and pleasure-filled sexual lives. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of really fascinating work around integrating our shadow or our darker desires, as some would call it, and also being able to create these relationships that contain a lot of duality and then some. You know, we've got a wife who's an amazing mom. I see her be tender and sweet, but she also wants to be, you know, a sexual goddess, dirty and raunchy, or vice versa. Yeah. And learning how we can be with all of that and also honor all of that has been a real interesting development, even in my own relationship. And so I'm enjoying learning a lot more about that. That comes from more mentors in my community um, and about as much sex research <laughs> as one can find <laughs> from uh, actual scholars. Yeah, I, there's something that is really fascinating around how the, the kink world is very much about personal development. Oh, entirely. You would never think so <laughs> when you're on Pornhub.com <laughs> watching it, and then you get into it, and you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. What would you say that someone in your industry should either start doing or stop doing? Mm. I'm going to sit with that for a juicy moment. So two thoughts. The first is this. So I call myself a pleasure coach and you'll find a ton of people who are coaching for like pleasurable living online. Love, mm. love all these people. And there feels like a real gap 
between creating a life that feels good and then learning to do the work that honestly feels like crap and creating pleasure in that process, mm. right? So the thing that I wish more people would do is that we're not just aiming to create lives where everything is honky-dory, but everything is great or feels amazing. We, we want lives where we're fulfilled and happy, but a piece to get there is we also need to learn to create pleasure in the cathartic qualities of healing, of us dying a thousand times as we grow into new persons, which honestly I think in the Western world we, we lack a lot of skills around grieving. Yeah. Um, and learning also how to be with the times when things really do feel a bit hellish. Um, mm -hmm. Not everything is meant to last forever. We're, we're meant to go through cycles and to experience the pain and I'd say even the trauma of living because um, it gives us access to so much more. Um, but I think a lot of people after this work are like, oh, well, I want to feel better. And it's like, that's great. You're going to. And along the way, there are going to be times when you really don't. <laughs> You're yeah. going to be like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish more people would speak to how do we generate pleasure in that experience, not by changing it or diluting it or softening it, but by creating perspective that says, even though I don't like this part, I know it serves and nourishes me. Um, and this is not meant to be gaslighting in any way. If there are things in your life that you don't like or that are unhealthy, please you know, make the choice to get support and, and leave. But in other times of the work, you really come to a mirror and say, oh, you know, I have caused heartbreak in myself or maybe heartbreak in others. And there is something beautiful about sitting in that painful ownership that gives mm. you space for everything else. And, you know, as you were describing that, it, it made me think of kind of how you started the conversation. I forget the exact term that you use, but it's that you're, you're living in this body, right? We're, we're, we're in this experience and part of that experience, it's both sides. It's not, it's, we're not living in these flesh bodies <laughs> to only feel good things. Mm -hmm. We're here to experience the huge range of what the physical world can show us because how boring would that be you know it's like it, are you not are you a foodie i'm a foodie do you like food i do i love okay. food <laughs> so i think of it like this and there are people who will always stay in the negative and people will try to only be in the positive and i think you and i would agree that the real magic of life happens on the middle when you're with it all but it's like if you were to only eat sweets non-stop right sugar, candy, even if you just only ate fruit and nothing else. Eventually, you get to the point where that's not doing it. It's monotonous. There's no texture, no depth. And you mm -hmm. actually, like your body, if you were only to eat sweets without access to things like salt or other flavors, you would lose perception of just how sweet and luscious a thing can be. Like It would actually dull your experience of food, and I would say of life. Now, yeah. on the flip side, if you're only going to be licking on a salt chew like a dog does sometimes, then it's also going to, hey, maybe not be the most enjoyable thing if <laughs> you're sitting in your own bitterness, and it's going to dull your experience of life. So the real beauty of cooking, and I think of living, is we take some of the salt and we use it to season the things. It gives us access to appreciating and actually sensing more sweetness in our food. And the same thing in life. We hear it all the time. The bad times make the good times even better. 
is an overused phrase. And yet, when we can actually sit with the depth of the salt or the darkness or the pain and sit with right, the beauty and the graciousness and the joy, it really does make things feel different. It makes everything feel human, but at the same time, more beautiful. And in that slowness, that's where I think we really have a ton of access to pleasure and spiritual or spirituality, like co-mingling in that moment. Yeah, I like that. What would you say is the most misunderstood aspect of uh, being a pleasure coach? <laughs> Based on my DMs, it'd be people asking if I was hands-on <laughs> and when they can book a session. <laughs> I get that. Some very lovely people are like, I'd love for you to pleasure coach me. And I'm like, I'm not sure we're on the same page. Here's, here's my website and an agreement. You can look at it. Uh, so there's that. Um, the other part I'll say is I think people do not always understand that it's going to be a very deeply holistic process. Uh -huh. um, and that pleasure is not a place to get to. It's a place to come from and to generate in your internal world. Um, I think a lot of us in the West, at least, and I've got clients in Singapore and Berlin and, and Australia too, but um, we look at pleasure as like a destination that we have to get to one day, as if it's not always within reach. It's the same thing with spirituality. Sometimes we feel like we have to be someone or get somewhere to have access to spirit as if we're not just swimming in it or breathing it every single day so i really think for those who who come because they want more physical pleasure a love that here for it cheer it on every day um i would also invite them to consider that this is really about your humanity as a whole having access to pleasure and you know you're going to learn some physical stuff you can do with your partner totally odds are there's other stuff under the hood that's going to make more of a, an impact. And it's going to be messy and delicious. Your favorite kind of chocolate fondue fountain at a bat mitzvah, you know, same kind of thing. Very messy, very fun. Uh, you might need some cleaning up after. And that's okay. <laughs> what would you, how do you think is, uh, how can we help people understand uh, what this really means? I honestly I think being in the work will do the most good <laughs> for most people. I think everyone, you as like a hypnotherapist too, I'm sure it's, you're on the outside looking in and sometimes you wonder, is this snake oil or is this real? So, yeah. hey, giving it a try I think makes a difference. But if you're listening and you're curious, I think you can even just do a quick assessment with your own body around what will actually support you having the life that you want. So some questions to ask are, uh, are you feeling tight and clenched and defensive? And just go through your body. Where are you feeling tight or clenched and defensive? And if you met someone who was showing up that way, how would you engage with them differently? Or how would you feel differently being around them? I find we're not very competent self-perceivers of our mm -hmm. own impact. Mm -hmm. And it's why in like relationship coaching, one of my favorite practices for couples is to say, okay, let's pause and ask yourself, what is it like to date you right now? What is it like to date yourself? If you were your partner, what would you be present to? What would you be aware of? So if you come up, you're like, oh, I notice I'm anxious before this new business call. I'm a little bit stressed out. 
about going home. I'd rather be at work for an extra hour or two because I know there's stuff I'm avoiding. And uh, you imagine if you met someone who was similarly in that spot and you're the one at home, you might realize, oh, if I was able to be more grounded in touch with my body, if I didn't walk through my front door afraid or on edge, uh, then my partner might actually receive me with a hug. Or even if my partner had a rough day, they would feel like I could be with them and support them and connect them in a way that would actually make a difference instead of them hiding those feelings because they were afraid that I would respond in a negative way. Yeah. So this kind of just like self-assessment, if you notice these things are present, you are tight, you are on edge, you are scared. And these are human experiences. They're not bad. Like we, we get these because we're, we're living life and we maybe don't create the space to tend to them, <laughs> to move them through our bodies or create the skills that we need to get back to a grounded place. You don't learn this in school. <laughs> you don't, don't really learn this in sex head either. I wish, trust me, I'm going to have a book out one day, I'm sure, that people can use for this. But you know, these are the, the physical embodiments of a lot of emotions and a lot of stress that unless we do the work with the body to release them and heal past trauma, they're going to be the things that actually lead the way in our conversations without us even knowing it. I like that. Um, it. I don't know what, I don't know what else to add to it. It, it's it's impo- it's super important to to tune into our bodies and um, it actually made me think of times in my life when I was doing exactly what you just described like avoiding coming home because of all the things that were there uh, so it took me it took me to that mo- to those moments and how yeah things would have been a lot different if I had been able to put myself in the other person's shoes uh, and I've I also came to realize I actually do that a lot more now. And that is, uh, and my partner does too. Like we do that for each other. We're often looking to see how we can show up to, uh, to be better in a better place for, for them. Totally. It is vulnerable. It can be scary at times. So all, you know, self-disclose from my relationship, I'm the one with the more avoidant side. You know, I come by that naturally being a waspy child. I think there's a lot of <laughs> avoidance in our community. My partner trends on the anxiously attached side. Okay. So as we really work to heal these different relationship dynamics that would normally keep us at odds or kind of missing each other in communication, one of the things I became present to is as a the avoidant path, it really is a, a diligent step. Like it's a choice. Like I don't, naturally arrive at the place where I'm imagining what it's like dating me or imagining what my partner feels because it's opening up a vulnerability that the avoidance I would rather not be with. It's easier Mm -hmm. to not do it. But the more that I've slowed down to actually sit with my impact, even when we're on the other side of an argument, um, A, it helps me be more tender and we repair our wounds so much more quickly. Uh, especially, you know, after I'm fed a nice meal, I get hangry when I'm not fed. So we mitigate that, but, uh, (laughs) that access to tenderness really has made a difference. And even right now, you know, my partner is on vacation. We have most vacations together. We do some separately and he's living his best life. And one of the things that really fills up my cup when we're having these separate experiences, you know, I'm 
here working and loving it. He's surrounded by 10,000 other gay men, you know, having the time of his life. As I imagine how he feels knowing he has a partner supporting him and living out these new fantasies that maybe are not mine, to be frank, and that's fair. It happens to many of us. Um, that he can actually feel like he can be authentic and cheered on, like there's no part of him that he has to hide, that all these parts are worthy of love. Even if, you know, I'm not there with him in the moment, I cheered on and give permission. Yeah. And as I sit in what the experience of that support must be like, it helps fill up my cup. And I think, oh, wow, like this is exactly what I would want as a partner. And so knowing I get to give that to him feels good to me. Helps me enjoy it a lot more too, you know, when I'm long distancing it with the boyfriend. And I know when he does the same thing for me, it helps calm down his anxious attachment. Because if avoidance says, this is too much, I need to go out on my own. Anxious says, I need more togetherness because that's how I create security, right? Avoidance yeah. creates security by going off on our side of the couch and not talking. And avoidance wants to, you know, or our anxious attachments to be together. Knowing that I feel supported, whether he's here or not, actually helps reduce his automatic anxious response. So it helps him feel safer in the process. And that's how we kind of come back together with more ease. That's very beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. As, as you're talking about all of this, like, you, you know, this is a show about trance states, super states. What I'm coming to is one of the most powerful super states is slowed down. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it feels like we're in a go, go, go constant kind of, you could call that a trance state all the time, but it's a state where you're not even, you're, you're not at awareness to, to be aware because there's too much going on and, and to bring yourself to that, that slow place, that quiet place can really make a, a huge impact in how you show up. Totally. I, to me, it's a question of, do I want to be running on my automatic programming? Or do I actually want to be operating as me? Yeah. Like, I've got a ton of conditioning. We all do. And it can be real safe and easy to kind of live by that place. But if you want to be in a superpower state, if you want to, you know, really be tapped in, then it requires you to slow down enough to, to be real with yourself and to be present. And I do think, and we can talk about this, you have an experience similar to mine I'm imagining. You can let me know if I'm wrong. The more we do this work, the easier it is to drop into that place and to be with everything and then to choose what you actually want to do and who you want to be from it. When I first began doing this work, you know, I was a super in my head person. And uh, when I would slow down, I'd see a lot of stuff that maybe I didn't want to see. And that is a daunting (laughs) emotional (laughs) experience to say the least. I was like 25 when I began this work and I was like, wow, (laughs) where was that in my closet? Um, And so I just want (laughs) to be transparent that even in that place, there was so much power. It's just that the power looked different. Like back then the power was in tending to my garden and weeding the conditioning that was not supporting me. And learning to be, you know, more gentle with myself so I could live authentically. Now I go into that place and I see some stuff and I get to choose instead and go, okay, I'm really empowering this authentic desire today. And here's where I get to come from, the support that I get to create. I know some of this other stuff will try to trickle in, not even worried about it. 
it can be in my space, but it doesn't have to be who I am anymore. In the beginning, it was who I was. Now, it can be there. I hear it, but I'm taking the microphone back. It's not a, you know, free karaoke night over here. I'm going <laughs> to take my, my microphone back, give it to some other parts of me. Let's go. Are there any, so that, that's a big, like, that's a big step in like realizing that you want that and then uh, taking those, taking the risks towards making that happen. Um, what, if someone was interested in starting to explore these ideas, are there, are there any risks to doing that? Always. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be honest with yourself, you might hear spirit say, your body say, we need to leave this marriage or you need to leave your job. And it might not be a today thing. We might hear that voice and say, okay, how do we create the structure we need to do this in a healthy, supportive way? And sometimes we don't, uh, we just do the thing anyway. So there's always going to be in our body risk to pursuing what's authentic. If it clashes with society, it's different from how we were raised. If it's something that we desire that we have yet to experience fully, your body, right, or technically your brain, but you'll feel it in your body, will say that is risky. Maybe you should stay in your comfort zone. Maybe it will try to shut you down. You know, I hear when I go after really big things, my two phrases are, uh, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> I hear I'm tired a lot even when I'm fully energized. I'm like, oh, I'm too tired to work on this new venture to do this new project. And I stop myself now. I'm like, that's so strange. I must be scared. But my body says I'm scared in a way to shut me down as I am tired Mm. or my relationship will come up with a conflict. doesn't even have to be a big one. And my automatic in my head is like, just end it. It will be easier. Break up now. And it's Mm. not even what I want. (laughs) It's just a way to avoid the risk of having the vulnerable thing. So I will say risk is inherent in our body and our brain storytelling of these experiences, learning what we want, going after it. But if you do want to, mitigate that and play with that a little bit you can actually use somatic work in a future casting session so this is when you actually envision what it is you want your life to look like but instead of coming from a brainy place i recommend clients actually begin to relive that future vision one sense at a time so we're actually slowing down the body we're going to like transport where we're at into that five-year, 10-year, 20-year future, right? Athletes do this all the time. We're mm-hmm. athletes of a different variety, whether you're on a track, you're you know creating a happy marriage with your kids. So future cast what you want that is outside your comfort zone that your body might say is risky and just begin to live in that reality. Consider it an embodied meditation. What are the thoughts you have from that future place? Now, what does it feel like to come home and to be able to just take up your family, wife and kids, and say, let's go out to eat. I want a treat. Or how about we do a trip? Where do we want to go? Nothing's off limits. And these experiences, as we begin to feel into them, like actually feel in through the body and the spirit and the brain, we teach the body that, oh, it's safe. Oh, it's safe to have, you know, 600 yeah. grand in your bank account or in your investments, right? Some that are liquidable you can use. Uh, it's actually safe to go out and offer you a new price point or it's safe to tell your partner you have the side of you that you want to explore that you're not sure they're open to, right? And these are the places where our, our bodies will shut down 
our brains will shut us down. And so we really want to actually almost like massage the somatics out of our bodies to say, oh, we can live this life and it can feel safe. And it doesn't have to be so scary. And that can actually help break down some of the, the riskiness that our body or brain will tell us is so inherent in this thing and make it easier to attract it and also work towards it. I like that. What do you think of, uh, you know, what's giving you hope for the future? Where do you see using these types of uh, states uh, for personal growth going? So I don't know what is with my brain and like early childhood development today, but I really do see, hey, there's so much public discourse around what's worth it we're talking about, trans states included. And I really hope that it trickles down to, you know, K through 12 education. You know, we saw like 15 years ago, mindfulness began to take more over in the West. And there are many schools that teach students uh, everything from breath work to yoga or meditation. And these are just tools that we all can have that we can tap into. And when I think about what a difference it would make in the world for like youth to have this as a skill, even going into college. Oh my gosh, people say college is the best of times and the worst of times. There's so much trauma that people get in our universities today. <laughs> and this could really change a lot of it. Um, I also think so, and I feel so deeply, that when you look at the ailments of our society, uh, especially in America right now, political discourse, the violence, um, a lot of it comes from unaddressed trauma from a society that many of us are, we don't have access to dropping into our bodies and doing the work to remove the pain or the fear. We don't even know that we're living out some other person's programming, some societal conditioning. And I really think if we could use these states, which we are doing, but at a bigger level, to help people actually get in touch with their humanity yeah. and their partners or their families, that A, we'd be a much happier society. We'd be healthier for sure. But we'd also be a much more empathetic and caring society where violence and reactionary missteps are no longer on the news every night. Mm -hmm. Where we can actually live with communal care and not just hold self-care as the one and only way to live a good life. Um, these states, as much as they're for high-performance individuals, and they are, they're also for all of us to create more access to loving ourselves and other people. And that, that really drives my work. And I really see that being what gives me hope. It makes me teary eyed to say that because <laughs> there's well, such a need for it. You know, it's the, it's the future. It's the, uh, al allowing the next generation to have even more of these tools and, and utilize him at an earlier age than took me to get there for sure. Probably you as well. Yeah. 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 And hell, I can't wait to give these to my mom and dad even more. <laughs> so I will say we get to heal upwards and downwards. We can support future generations and yeah. help older generations. <laughs> Forwards and backwards through time. Yes. Uh, Craig, if somebody wants to connect with you or learn more about you, what's the best way to do that? Totally. You've got two options. I will say I am on Instagram mainly. You can find daily content on improving your relationship, using somatic work to really improve your life in general. And mm -hmm. you'll find me at Craig Cassie Jr. That's 
C-R-A-I-G-C-A-S-S-E-Y, J-R, on Instagram, or my personal website, uh, craigcassie.com. Uh, both these places you can learn more about me, but if you want to engage with me, come on over to Instagram. Always happy to chat, and uh, always happy to support you on creating what's next in your relationship or elsewhere, too. Awesome. I will make sure to put those both in the, or all of that into the show notes. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. And Craig, what's, the, what's the one last insight you want the audience to leave remembering today? Oh, okay. Quick grab bag of gold. If you want immediate access to what we talked about today, an easy way to do it is to pick one sense and learn to savor with it. So if you want to feel grounded and feel happier and be in your body and you're a foodie, go take a bite of a peach and just bring your entire intention to that one thing. And that will give you the same access to what we're talking about today. If it's sight, go stare at a tree. Touch, go hug your partner and just feel. It can be that simple. And the more you do those simple practices, the more your life opens up to all the beauty that's been just waiting for you to arrive. Awesome. I love that so much. Uh, thank you. Thanks for being here today, Craig. And uh, thanks for being a light in the world. Oh, thank you, Joshua. It goes both ways. Thank you for having me. 